Hello, welcome to Solomon's Temple. This episode, I'm just going to outline for your entertainment a little bit about me and my life. I just want to talk about the kind of jobs I've worked. I'm 29 years old, so I've been about of working age for like 13 years now. I don't know, when do they start people off at 16? Yeah, something like that. I started working at my uncle's pawn shop. Actually, I think that was my second job. I think my first job, I was working at a restaurant. It was the Auburn Ale House. It's a hell of a first job to get into because it's just hustle, hustle, hustle. I mean, this place is like, you know, one of those brewery places that's just hot and just hustling. I mean my brother worked there for a few years or my brother did for a few years I did for about a year or so. I did dishwashing and bussing and that is just I mean time flies because it's busy and and the tables are always full and and everything. Oh yeah I was a host as well Um, but you learn really fast how crappy the public is. (laughs) Yeah nobody has patience nobody has understanding they don't want to do what you tell them to do because you're running a restaurant. Pretend that they could just do whatever the heck they want whenever they want to. And I guess they can, but it's also kind of like it's not about you in general. Some people are more entitled. But Auburn's, I don't know. Auburn's still pretty chill. It's it's A-Town, Northern California. So I worked there. That was all right. Um, Eventually I quit because I think actually around that time, 19 years old, I fell into a deep depression and I'm like, I can't handle all this stress. So I needed time out for myself to collect, collect myself and just focus on school and my mental health and stuff. But at, at any rate, I ended up working for my uncle as, as the years went by, I started working for him and that was more seasonal, but basically you're making loans. You're taking in people's items and holding it for them, giving them cash now. And then if they want it back, they can, if they don't want it, typically they don't want it. They just, it's just poor people that need some dough now and don't really need the item or they just need drugs and they stole it. <laughs> but at any rate, like there's just all sorts of, of, of different items of, of trading capacity. And my uncle will just accumulate all this stuff because no one comes for their junk. Or if they do, they don't have the money to pay it back and can't afford the, you know, 15% interest on it. So that's how you accumulate it. And, um, you know, he was the main broker, of course, but I would take in these buy items and put them into the computer and get their information and and market as a, a, a bot item under a number. You know, there's like 10, there's like 10,000 items kind of under the uh, the logged in uh, item information base or something like that. It's a little mini database. I don't know how many items he has now. He's probably up around 20,000 at this point, but yeah, I would do that. I'd get items out of, out of layaway or on that have been pawned that people want back because they needed that money then, but usually they don't have the money later because they've just they needed that money now, and then now they don't have it because they're not making any more than they did, or something like that. It's weird. Usually pawn, it's, it's kind of a weird scheme. It's kind of designed to just, like, capitalize off, you know, what people don't need anymore because you have extra money to give them, and then you make that money back by selling it, and you just accumulate all these goods and, and make the money back, and the whole idea is returning it. And, and there's a lot of people that need items and other people that don't need the item right now, so a lot of people just like to get, get in there, get good deals, you know, otherwise buying a new thing. They don't want new things. They don't need new things if it's in good shape, you know, and it's a reasonably commodity that's useful of utility, you know, like tools and then jewelry, of course, people want and DVDs and different musical items and and stuff like that. Um, But I'd have to go back in storage and dig out stuff that was in location, like get this out of pawn over in this section. I'd go look for it for like 10 years and get lost in another dimension back there. Did that a little bit, and then I worked at an old folks home serving people this this crap that I would make, and it was a very depressing thing to see in these people because a lot of them had like weird dementia, and and they were very rude a lot of them, but I think because they're being pawned off in this awful depressing place. 
because the, the parents don't want to deal with them or take care of them or have them around so they're just stuck there but yeah that was that wasn't super fun I was kind of like this waiter I would take their order and then I'd come back with the food and I'd be like okay so remind me who had this and then no one would say anything I'm like um okay and then I'd place it in front of somebody I'm like I didn't get this and I'm pretty sure that you did <laughs> or they'd get mad at you if you put the wrong food in the wrong place like sorry I didn't get four out of five I didn't get five out of five I got four out of five you know, at least you do is be gracious, you old bag. <laughs> but it was still fun. You know, they once you got to know them and I spent enough time there, they got used to you and really jolly. And it was kind of a, a fun thing to brighten their day and, and be a good cheer. Because I think a lot of them look forward to that socialization aspect of the dinner and of the lunch. It was done in like two to three hour shifts or something. So it was like a part-time job while I was going to junior college, still wandering around the school, not knowing where I'm headed or what the world means. <laughs> I worked at Goodwill for a little bit. Goodwill jacks tons and tons of items for people for free and sells them. Uh, now they're like upstocking their prices. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like this is supposed to be Goodwill. You're getting this, these items for mostly for free. You don't, there's, you're just getting items. You're accumulating wealth and selling it. Like the least you could do is pay your workers a little better, you know, like give them a head start in life. Cause a lot of them are, well, former meth addicts or, or some of them are, are slower. You know, they're not retarded, but they're not particularly normal, and they're given jobs there. And actually, even those slow people and, and some of those recovering addicts, they're good workers. They'll put their head down and go, I mean, straight up. But I had a, a lot of productivity there. I remember stocking like 700 books a day because I requested to do library work on the side. And that was kind of fun. Just a lot of, of processing, and I realized like, wait a minute, I'm generating like $1,500 worth of material right here you know, and they're selling each of those books for like three bucks probably. So it's like the potential I'm making every day is, is like crazy. And they just fly off the shelves, you know, people buy stuff like crazy at Goodwill. But yeah, the appraisal is a little different these days. They're like taking from other stores and they're ramping up their prices and they're even like being more selective about what items they put out and it's more, all more expensive. I was like, I used to buy like a few shirts, some item and like a book from Goodwill for like six bucks and then now like that would same thing would cost me like fifteen dollars it's turned into a regular store almost it's like come on god dang it it's not goodwill anymore it's it's greedy capitalism world now <laughs> and then i uh worked at a, a ford dealership oh by the way i got fired from the goodwill because i had a handkerchief i was using off the uh the goods because there's thousands of stuff being poured on the table. I took a, a handkerchief or something or a bandana and started using it because there's so much crap that I, I would need some leverage on and I just needed because the crap you're touching is kind of gross. So I'd use it as a handkerchief and I had it in my pocket and then they suspected me of stealing items like a 50 cent handkerchief and they fired me for it. So I'm like, screw you. <laughs> you're an asshole. You want to fire me over 50 cents when really it's enabling my work for you to be more productive. You're just stealing all this fucking money anyway. Anyways, but um, and then I got, got into a Ford dealership. <laughs> I have worked so many jobs. Got into a Ford dealership, just started uh, parking cars and, and washing them and detailing them and just just kind of washing cars. I think I, I did about, I think the goal was to do in a shift, a five-hour shift. I was supposed to do like 15 washed vehicles and I would hit the quota most of the time, but I think I got fired because I accidentally ran into a post or something like that by one of the cars and it, it was like two thousand dollars worth of damage and it was just the the dealership obviously covered it because they have loads of cash but they're like you're a liability you gotta go <laughs> i worked at round table for a little bit i got fired there too <laughs> i had a troubled uh, early 20s <laughs> round table was kind of fun pizza ringing the order and building the pizza slicing the pizza 
did a little bit of delivery. I got this guy's delivery order and I didn't bring him his Coke. And it was kind of like that SpongeBob episode. Where's my diet Dr. Kelp? <laughs> yeah. So it was, yeah, some of that was kind of bad. I was like, oh man. I felt so bad at his house. It's like, oh, sorry I didn't bring the soda. Okay, I just bought all this, this crap and you didn't bring my Diet Dr. Kelp. I did a cleaning service um, throughout most of this time. Family owned, we just cleaned my dad's office. And that was actually really good cash because I would show up for like two to three hours worth of work and get like 80 to 100 bucks and it was like super chill. So that was a lot of residual cash for me that kept me afloat <laughs> for doing anything. I worked at a wedding place. I did their gardening and landscaping and then I, I just attended their weddings and, 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 and got people st stuff, drinks, carried their food out. I was like a waiter. So I would do like a couple couple on a weekend and then some landscaping and yard work during during the week and kind of kept his stuff up. And that was kind of a part-time job throughout the summer that I did for a couple summers. Soon after college, when I had nothing prepared and didn't know what I was going to do with my life, I still basically don't. But at that point, I was completely just lost. I didn't know where I was going. So I just thought, hey, I'll get a fun job. Just kind of de debrief from all the, the stress and seven years of strife and activity at the universities and colleges and, and just live my life finally. And that did felt feel pretty good. Um, I got a job making ear candles out of wax and muslin. There are these interesting machines that used air and hot wax, like in a hot vat you'd swim this material through and onto a spindle that would turn and would wrap itself. It would guide itself along and, and turn. And I would cut it and make the next candle. And I made about like 1,200 of these a day eventually. In the beginning, I was struggling. I think my first day, I made like 120. And then as time went on, I after week five, I was making 1,000. And then I think my the most I ever made in a day was like 1,560 or something like that. So you got just got better over time and you had mastery over, over the equipment you're using. Yeah, they're very interesting machines that I was working on. And it was fun. It was just kind of like racing and, and all that stuff. And yeah, it was rhythmic. I got to listen to podcasts and music. I think there was like three kinds of waxes. There was like a soy-based wax, beeswax, and paraffin. And I got, I got some uh, carpal tunnel syndrome from that. I had to ice and stretch my hand for like over a couple years in order to get all of that out pretty gnarly but it was a somewhat of a sacrifice to live in a fun work experience and then i moved to arizona worked at a group home he took care of developmentally disabled people um, became a shift lead actually did pretty well held the job down pretty well took care of these guys took down any necessary information that group home needed to know about these guys uh communicated about all the things that I did in order to take care of them, like get them to shave, take a shower. Did they eat? Did I make dinner? Did they go out? You know, there's like all these things we had to kind of log down. And there wasn't much to do anyway, but the shift league basically did all the work. And that was me for a while. Um, it was full-time. Yeah, it was like a moderate re retardation, brain damage, severe, like moderate to severe autism, and then cerebral palsy. It was just a handful you know, these guys were some characters. Had to deal with some serious uh, major blowouts for one of the patients. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not, not the funnest thing to deal with, but it isn't the hardest work, but sometimes it really can be. So I took, you know, that customer service sort of healthcare uh, field type of job, and um, I was able to apply for a job at California Sleep Solutions as a sleep technician, and I got into the program by writing a freaking awesome essay. Uh, they wanted an essay, and just my an application and a, my resume and they're like okay yeah you have a degree in philosophy a bachelor's degree you could probably look you know work somewhere else like or maybe do some actual writing 
or or whatever get into the courts or teach someone something you know but i didn't do that i guess i just i'm not ready to do that post push post education push to become someone because i don't really sure what i'm doing but i really like this podcast stuff <laughs> so i might want to try to get a credential and teach inmates that sounds pretty cool but i'll probably wait on that i'm gonna hold this job down because being a sleep technician is awesome uh, the potential for pay is is very good the more experience you get the more you get paid and the incentive is to stick with it and become registered and you get a stable healthcare job so i'm gonna i'm gonna do that it's fun. I have to score like 2,000 uh, sleep epics a night where I look at their breathing, look at their heart rate, look at their sleep stages, and I determine what's going on in their sleep. I'm basically diagnosing people for the most part for obstructive sleep apnea, which is a, a hidden health issue. If you have obstructive sleep apnea, five times increase in the chances of having a stroke, congestive heart failure, um, just general heart issues, even, you know, cognitive malfunctioning and, and difficulty with memory and concentration, daytime sleepiness. A lot of people don't know that even Alzheimer's disease can, can occur four times more greater frequency of, of Alzheimer's patients also have OSA, obstructive sleep apnea. So yeah, heart attack, heart failure, dementia, even some kidney and, and liver malfunctioning because a, a lot of how your body is producing the, the proper levels and secretions of certain hormones is balanced out by your, your pH system. The pH in your blood is controlled by how much CO2 you're regulating. So if you're not getting breath, you have high CO2 and not getting that oxygen throughout your body efficiently is going to affect the way that your glands work and the way that your organs are balancing out all the things that it needs to regulate the homeostatic patterns in your body. It could be especially damaging for people with diabetes already, and is just generally your quality of life declines when you're not breathing, obviously. Just hold your breath for about 10 seconds. That's an apnea. A lot of people who are severe, and there is, and that's about 5% of the population, have severe apnea. And if you have this, you have over, well, you have about 30 events in an hour. So if you multiply 10 seconds of not breathing by 30, that's 30 events where you're holding your breath in an hour. That's a lot of time you're not breathing. I don't know. That, that's like six minutes of just holding your breath and then having like the other 54 minutes be, be you breathing. But a lot of your, you know, you're not getting an oxygen saturation and people are even more severe than that. So, you know, over time, that's going to take a toll on, on your organs and on your heart and on your brain. But I like I like doing it. I like setting the, setting the patients up. I put all sorts of wires on them. I put like 23 things on them and put them to bed. And I just take care of them at night and score their stages. And if it's slow, I just hang out on my phone. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's kind of the extent to which my work career unfolded. And I've been through a lot. Where am I headed? Well, I'm going to get my RPSGT exam. I'm going to try to register as a technologist with the state probably within the next year because it's a pretty heavy test and they charge you like 350 to take it, which is ridiculous. But hey, so I'm going to nail it the first time and then I get a solid $5 raise and then you're able to work in hospital settings and, and you know, more private places will accept you. That's where you get better deals because this is more of like a training sort of in to the medical field and I'm really grateful to have it. And then who knows, I might get my credential and start teaching around and of course I'm going to do this podcast. Hopefully it blues up and I think maybe it will. I don't know. I guess I got to keep bothering strangers about listening to it or something. I don't know how this works. I got to get into marketing. I got to sort of be a bug in people's ears like, hey, check this out. Hey, do you like random philosophy stuff? Like talking about fun things and things that aren't fun at the same time? Expand your mind. Look into all these weird things that this this 29-year-old guy talks about into his microphone. Yeah, you don't have to think about it too much. You can just 
chill out and listen to them on 1.75 speed and just kind of burn through it. Okay, well, yeah. Well, thank you for uh, tuning in, and you could always visit on patreon.com forward slash Solomon's Temple. Go ahead and donate whatever you want. Hopefully, maybe at a one-time donation, if you've listened enough, maybe five bucks, or do a little two two dollars a month until you feel like you're you're totally over it or whatever. It would be much appreciated. Uh, thank you very much. I'll see you next time.